You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined by Metro Sports, Mike Stavrou. Mike, welcome back, mate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Apart from the football, I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, but, but yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's How been a you? few weeks, hasn't it? It's been a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. All, all good, mate. All good. Um, as you said, apart from the football, uh, it's yeah. been tough. It's been tough going watching the Arsenal of late. Um, you know, we'll get into it tonight. We'll discuss uh, the various issues and the various problems that uh, Mikel Arteta is facing at the moment. We're going to take you guys' questions. We've got lots of questions lined up. Uh, so a big thank you to those of you who have already submitted those. And uh, feel free uh, throughout the program to dump some more in the live chat for me and Mike to tackle. Um, Mike, let's kick off the show by getting your thoughts on the game um, against Wolverhampton Wanderers. It was another really disappointing display, a display in which we lacked creativity again, a display in which we struggled uh, to get the best out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, to get him into those goal-scoring opportunities. But the biggest concern for me at the moment, because we knew that those problems were there, the biggest concern for me is that the, the defensive stability that Mikel Arteta looked like he had instilled has just completely evaporated in recent weeks. I put that down to a change of system. The fact that he's changed back to a back four in this desperate attempt to get us playing free flow and attacking football again. Do you put it down to that? Do you put it down to individual performances? Do you put it down to to certain players, to the manager? What's your take on, on everything at the moment and how it's all going? Yeah, I mean, I think from Mikel Arteta's point of view, it's a bit of panic at the moment. I think obviously he's seen the, the issues, uh, they're well known, everyone can see on, on the pitch. It's not tough to see that, that we were struggling uh, in terms of creativity. And then he's had to do something in a, in a desperate ploy to, to turn things around. And unfortunately, it means that not only are we still not creating chances, but we're also terrible defensively. That's been for the last three games, I'd say, since Villa, pretty much. And yeah, I mean, it's strange because obviously you've got a, a very inexperienced manager who's trying to learn on the job. And in one way, you have to give him a bit of credit. But for me, if you have that that foundation that you've built on and you said you, you've set out your stall and said, this is the, the sort of football that, that I want to play because I don't have the squad, uh, there's limitations on the squad. You stick with it until you can get the players in that you need to change. And I don't understand, is he caving to fan pressure maybe? Um, you know, why has, has he suddenly changed things? It strikes me as a bit of a weak move to to, to suddenly like change the, the mentality and to suddenly play a, a Bamiang as a striker when, when we all know that it, it doesn't work. Why has he done it? I don't really know. Um, but... I'm not one of these people going all the way over the top and saying, you know, uh, the, the pressure's massively on him. He's fighting for his job. I don't think he is. I think we have to keep into consideration, you know, the long-term project and we don't want to keep chopping and changing managers every 18 months. So I think we need to have a little bit of calm, but he definitely has come in for criticism and rightly so. Yeah, I think, you know, you called it a weak move. You said it might be a weak move and, you know, it, it does feel a little bit like that. And that's kind of the biggest disappointment from my end because I didn't see Mikel as someone that would sort of bow down to that pressure. And you mentioned fan pressure. It, it's probably a bit of that. It's probably a bit of the fact that every single press conference he goes into as well. The first question right now is, are you worried about the lack of creativity? Are you worried about lack of goals? I think yeah. that's that's maybe grinding away at him a little bit. Um, going back to the Aubameyang point about him playing as a striker, on the one hand, uh, I think you're absolutely right where you say we know it's not really working uh, and it hasn't really worked for Aubameyang. Actually, when we look at his best period or his most influential period throughout his Arsenal career, which was sort of, I would say, in terms of getting us single-handedly through games was 
the back end of the last season where he took us to the FA Cup the way he did. He was playing from that left-hand side. I think maybe Arteta has been kind of forced into thinking that's the right move because of the the poor form shown by Alexander Lacazette in certain moments, because of Eddie Nketiah not necessarily being ready to step up into that role permanently. So I think it's a combination of things. I think, you know, the lack of creativity is an issue. We know it's there. We knew it was there from the start of the season. And again, I, I keep banging on about the point. And if you've listened to this show in the last couple of days, you probably think I keep beating this same drum, but I just can't understand why he changed it. And I think that the game coming up at the weekend, a, a game against Tottenham, for me, this is a game now where he has to go back to the back three because he cannot risk going into that game playing the way we've played in recent weeks. And, you know, in a strange way, even though we're going away to a Tottenham side who are in uh, on really good form at the moment, I feel 100% more confident knowing that Arsenal are going to play that way than I did even in the Wolves game. And it's weird. Yeah, because there's that there's that weight of expectation, isn't there? And I think we have shown, as as I said, that we can pull out those those performances. We did it at Old Trafford. We did it at, at Liverpool last season. Did it at, against Man City um, in, in the FA Cup. So we are capable. And I think we know that if we set out our stall like that and we are solid defensively, that, that we can have an impact. The worry for me, Harry, is not necessarily the tactics, but the way that after the Villa game, their confidence was gone. Like I was seeing the the team that I saw uh, in the last days of Emery and in the last days of Wenger, a team that just looked like they couldn't actually, um, you know, transmit what what the manager had told them to do. They looked lost. They looked they, they there weren't any leaders on the pitch, and it's it's in their moments where you need an an experienced man to sort of pull you through. Uh, on the pitch and off the pitch and we obviously don't have that so I'm hoping that confidence will will come back I mean they shouldn't really need motivating for a North London derby should they so I think they they might be all right on the weekend I'm not saying we're gonna we're gonna win but we should be in with chance but for me moving forward it's just you know how much the, the players buy into it because I think one of the things at the beginning of Arteta you'd probably agree with me was that it seemed like he was getting the players back on side. You know, we saw Mustafi come back in. We saw Xhaka come back in after, you know, spending periods out of the team. And it looked like they were buying into it. But the, the last few games, I'm I'm not saying that they don't trust him, but maybe the fact that he has suddenly made, had this quick change in system and, and mentality won't really, won't really go across well because it sort of looks like you're second-guessing yourself now. For whatever reason, and I wonder if that has has affected the players. Yeah, it, it might well have done. And and let's go on to the, some of the listener questions because this leads me nicely onto a question uh, that we've got from Steve. He says, "Do you think the way that Mikel has treated Messi, Matteo Genduzzi, and Lucas Torreira, as well as William Saliba, may have caused some of the dressing room to lose respect for him. Um, let's not really go down the Mesut Ozil route because I feel like I've done that to death in the last few days. Um, so I don't really want to get too far down that. But the fact that, you know, Genduzi was kind of pushed out the way he was, that Lucas Torreira was deemed very quickly actually surplus to requirements, didn't play many games under Mikel Arteta when fit, even when he did, uh, when he first come into the job. So, the writing was on the wall for him, I think, very early on. Um, but do you think that, that the way he's sort of dealt with certain situations in terms of his man management may have sort of caused some of the rest of the squad to raise eyebrows? And and Don Monero's point in the chat as well actually adds to this. He says, I'm not sure why people keep saying about Ozil. I'd be more inclined to ask why he let Genduzi and Torreira leave to play Willock and Elneny. It's ridiculous. He has invited this pressure. Do you think that's the case? Do you think the man management of Mikel Arteta should be questioned and, and is perhaps having a negative effect? It's, it's tough, isn't it? Obviously, we don't know what goes on in the dressing room. For me, when he came in and was like, you know, he had his non-negotiables, which he said, that, that said that you're going to have a minimum uh, effort level, a minimum, you know, sort of um, exemplary attitude that, that he wants from his players. I was all for that because I think in the past, Arsenal definitely have been guilty of having, you know, clicks 
in in the team and having you know um, players who thought they could get away with with whatever they want. Like I'm thinking about a, a situation where Alex Awobi was at was at a party and and it was filmed on Snapchat and then Arsene Wenger played him the next game in the in the FA Cup and we were all like. What what is this about? You know, but I think if that was any other manager like Sir Alex Ferguson, he'd be he would not even be in the squad, let alone you know playing it in that match. So, in some respects, I was happy to see a bit more of a discipline disciplinarian approach, Harry. But in other senses, when you're such an inexperienced manager, it's quite a dangerous precedent to say you know that's it. Like like Guendouzi, as soon as he had that that um that incident at Brighton, that was it. Didn't play again. Mesut Ozil didn't play for a long time. Lucas Torreira, we don't really know what happened, but you'd have to think that the manager maybe didn't fancy him. That's why he went out. So I think it's fine to take that approach, but but it has to come from from a more from someone with a bit more authority. I, I feel like there's only so much you can push the players before they they stop and say, actually, you know, he's treated our our, our teammate like this. He's not playing. Where's Ozil? Where's Guendouzi? Where's Torreira? Where does that leave me? That's my only worry. Yeah, yeah, I think you make some really, really good points and it is a concern um, for a lot of people, I think, the fact that... And, you know, I, I wasn't Matteo Guendouzi's biggest fan. I'm still not. And I still think that at times he's been overrated by the Arsenal fan base and I feel like he's his attitude at times has probably let him down. But... When you look at that Arsenal midfield, and you, you've got to take into the fact that obviously Thomas Partey's not there, which is obviously um, a, a big sort of blow to us, given the investment, given how much we hoped he was going to transform the side. The fact that he's out now is a problem. But when you look at the performance of, of Granit Xhaka the other night um, against Wolves, and you'll know, Mike, that I, I'm, I'm normally quite defensive of Granit Xhaka, because I normally say, and I normally think that he gets a lot more stick than he deserves, but... He was dreadful, for want of a better term, in the game against Wolves, as was Danny Ceballos. And you look at that and you just think, you know, Matteo Genduzzi and Lucas Torreira probably both could have done a better job on that night. And so now I think we're at the point in the season where when results aren't going your way, as they're not at the moment, you start to look back at things and you start to try and you try and start to, you know, reflect on certain decisions and make judgments now that you've got a little bit more of a sample and when you look at it now we're desperately short you know the, the fact that Thomas Partey's out and we still have to play Xhaka all the time or we have to play an Elneny who's done all right but he's Mohamed Elneny you know it's as simple as that so it has been um it has been a, a strange a strange few months and um yeah I mean Let's let's go on to a couple more questions. A few of you are saying in the chat that my mic is uh, making a few noises, so I do apologise for that. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I'll try and sort it out. I'll swap it over uh, while Mike's speaking. But Mike, let's get your take on uh, on this question. Um, how long has Mikel Arteta got to save his job? Oh, that's a tough one, Jesus. Um, to save his job? I mean, he just started, isn't he? Um, I mean, if you look at it realistically, if we're still in this position come um, March, April, and we're still down in 15th, and we are, you know, maybe in, in a relegation battle, I think then we can start to, you know, can be concerned about Mikel Arteta's job. I don't think it will get there. I think this is a very bad patch. Um, I think it will get better. Um, but that's the only scenario that, that I can see. If we're actually in a relegation dogfight, which I can't even think and I can't even fathom me thinking about that, uh, I think that's the only possible scenario where it could be. I just think that obviously we've invested in this manager. Um, he's see, he's shown flashes of being of being a good coach. Maybe he's he's obviously obviously not the, the full package yet. Um, he's been having some some disciplinary issues that we've, we've spoken about with with Mesut Ozil. There's questions over his head on that front, but I feel like you have to give him time because are we going to get to a scenario where we're changing managers every 18 months, as I said? The only possible way that you could even consider him going at, you know, at the end of this season or at the end of next season is if you have someone elite lined up and that I can't see. That's just completely... Unrealistic. I'm, I'm talking elite. I'm talking like the Julian Nagelsmanns of this world. I'm not talking like 
Carlo Ancelotti's or the ones that you know, like Max Allegri's that uh, that that are, that are considered a class, but I don't think they fit yeah. within in the modern game. But we need to ba- we, we, we need we need to invest in him. We need to get him the the, the squad that he wants. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of dead wood still at the club that, that we need to ship out. We're still paying for for our mistakes, Harry. I think of, of past windows. Um, some of the some of the players we bought in have just not been good enough. Like like Torreira, um, you know, there's a there's a debate as as to whether he's he's good enough. Socrates as well was another purchase. We are like, what, what was the point of that? David Luiz, you can even question as well. Willian this season, and even though we have made good signings with likes of Party and and uh, and Gabriel, for every I feel like for every one or two good signings, there's a few shit ones, and that's just been how we've operated. So we have to see how the combination of Edu and Arteta get on on the transfer front as well because you never know like and this this probably seems unrealistic but if we go out and sign a a, a creative midfielder that could help us score more goals knit the team together and actually play you know the the, the sort of football that could um that can make us you know play more attractive football more effective football um then it could completely change things because I think what he's doing he's building this the solid base or he he has been he for, for the last couple of weeks. He was. So then this base. He was yeah. yeah, he he was apart from the last few games, and then the the solid. But I mean, every team and every manager has to start from that from that solid base. You don't build from the top up. You build from the build from the bottom up. So look, I'm not going to even entertain you know talk of, of of the pressure being on his job right now. But as I said, if it gets dire the situation towards the end of the season, obviously we have to revisit. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know if this uh, mic is much better. Uh, Apologies for the crackling sound coming from my headset earlier on in the video, earlier on in the podcast. I'm not sure what happened there. I just used it on another broadcast and it was absolutely fine. So not sure what the issue is, but let me know in the chat if this is better. If it's not, let me know as well uh, so I can sort it out as best as possible. Um, Yeah, I um, I think you're right when you say that, you know, the question was, how long does he have to save his job? And for me, there is no chance. There is zero chance, in my opinion, unless we get embroiled in a relegation battle, which isn't going to happen, um, that Mikel Arteta loses his job. He stays Arsenal manager for at least this season, in my opinion. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think the club have hung their hat on him. The club have, yeah. um, you know, they've 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 made it clear by just by the fact that they've given him that additional responsibility at the club that they are very much invested in uh, Mikel Arteta that that that's just the way it is and you know people can go online and they can campaign for him to be sacked and they can campaign for this and they can campaign for that but it's not going to happen so for me the best thing to do is to sit back um watch on support the team. I know it's not always easy to do that. That doesn't mean that we can't criticise. Of course we can. We can criticise. We can talk about what we think the mistakes are, what we think the problems are. But ultimately, the guy's not going anywhere. So let's get behind him. Let's support him because the team really need our support at the moment. And, um, uh, you know, that leads me nicely on to the next question, which is with regards to the return of fans. Now, Michael asks, uh, with the return of fans, do you think that will help Arsenal or do you think the moaning and groaning will kick in again and add further pressure? I'll start on this one because I'm not sure how much of an impact 2000 fans being back in the stadium is actually going to make. Um, I don't think it's going to make a, a great deal of difference. I'm one of the lucky 2,000 that's going to be at the game on Thursday night between Arsenal and Rapid Vienna. So I will be bringing you a video from the stadium. And I look forward to giving you guys some insight for those of you that can't make it about how, um, you know, how it feels, what it's what it's all about and kind of some of the protocols. But we've been told that the fans are not even allowed to sing. So, I mean, what, just them what? being there? Do you think, yeah, fans are not allowed to sing. It's nuts. So just being there i don't think that that's going to make a great deal of difference if the support isn't vocal the support of 2000 in a massive stadium like that i think can almost get lost um in terms of of the the influence on the game i do think though if we'd seen those last three home games um that we've seen in a packed emirates stadium there'd have been plenty of boos plenty of moans plenty of groans and so I actually think that in some ways the the non fans should have been a bit of an advantage for Arsenal. Um, w- would you agree, Mike? Are they, are they allowed to boo? Uh, apparently not. 
Well, you got to leave your mask <laughs> on even. So, it, it, mate, it's it's nuts. Oh, it's God. nuts. You have to do a track and trace form to attend first of all, um, and then you have to, uh, you know, you have to wear your mask. You have to do all these different things. It's it's absolutely crazy. I, it's not going to be like attending a normal football match. It's a right. completely and I'm guessing experience. you're all you're all going to be sat like what a few seats apart from the next person. Well, I've got a ticket with a friend. Um, who yeah i've got one five nine and he's got one six two so there's three seats in oh, between wow. us right and you still I mean, can't sing you still can't sing <laughs> i mean look i i guess i, I guess in a way we, we should be happy but yeah i mean with a full emirates crowd i think that we would have played a, a lot better the last three games. I'm not going to lie because I don't think that that's, that some of the players would have got away with those poor performances. I really don't. Uh, I think they, they would have heard exactly what they were doing wrong from the crowd. But with 2,000, you're right. I mean, what what really is, is the difference going to be? What It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be minimal, if anything. But, you know, it's a step in, in the right direction, I guess. Um, we, we were looking at this year as a complete write-off, but at least we've got some fans in. Uh, I, I personally can't wait just to just go watch my team, even if I can't boo. Or, or you, can, <laughs> yeah, you can clap, I guess. Clapping's fine. Uh, so. Yeah, I think you can probably clap. Yeah, yeah. you probably yeah. clap. Yeah, but just about. If you wash your hands afterwards, you'll be allowed to clap. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But, but look, it's a positive. It's, it's a small positive, but in terms of... The, the impact, I mean, I can't see it having any impact whatsoever, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, but but I do think that fans not being there has probably given Mikel Arteta a little bit more leeway to embed some of the things he's been trying to. You know, the playing out from the back, I think, is the prime example of that. You yeah. play out from the back the way Arsenal have in front of an Emirates crowd and everybody's sort of shitting themselves, basically. Holding their breath, yeah. Holding their breath. And you, you can yeah. feel that anxiety coming yeah. through onto the pitch. Uh, let's have a look at some more of your questions. Uh, we'll pick out a couple more to get through. Uh, bear with us just a second. Um, just loading up the page. I should have done this before, really. Uh, uh, Scott says, uh, do you boys think that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has become completely disinterested since he signed his new Arsenal contract? Is he not bothered anymore or is it just down to Arsenal being it? it I think he meant unable uh, to create chances with any regularity. I think there's a there's a bit of both there. I mean, look, I don't want to accuse the guy of being disinterested. Um, I think it's a tough time and I don't think he's the sort of character to to drag him or his teammates through, which a captain should do. And I think there's, there's there's two reasons for that. I think he has stopped putting in the, the hard graph that, that he was just before he signed the contract. I mean, we're seeing Aubameyang, you know, do the basics, like close down quickly, uh, make more runs in behind. And we're seeing him obviously score more, but it just, just just basic things we're seeing him do. But also, yeah, you have to say that um, that the, the, the creativity has stifled, it's got worse. But I will caveat that by saying I don't think this Arteta team has ever really been that creative, to be honest with you. And he was still banging in the goals. So maybe the, the, the contract situation has had a bit of a bigger effect. But as I say, I think that the confidence of the whole team is shot at the moment. And when you have a sort of, you know, he's more of a laid back character, isn't he? As, as I said, he's not the sort of guy to be able to, to drag you through. I don't want to have a, a massive go at him, but I feel like, some of these players that are that are completely underperforming and they're there because they're the more experienced ones. I think Arteta is contradicting himself a little bit when he's talking about non-negotiables and leaving some players out of the team. And then you've got the youngsters absolutely showing them up in the Europa League. I know it's against less opposition, but I'm talking about endeavour. I'm talking about heart. I'm talking about spirit. And that's what players like Joe Willock, Reese Nelson, you know, Bukayo Saka have all shown. So it gets to a stage where you think, when these experienced players are going to carry on being so shit, like when's the point? <laughs> like like Willian, terrible, absolutely abysmal, can't, you know, can't trap a ball. Yeah, he put in a good ball the, the other day for Gabriel. But you think 
like how many more opportunities will they get until Arteta is just like, you know what, like I need to play the players that are hungry that have the, the Arsenal DNA. I would I, I would argue though that the problem is and the reason he doesn't do it is because those players just ain't good enough. I mean, Joe Willock, right, for example, he shows flashes in the UEFA Europa League, right? Fair play. He shows energy in the Premier League. I give him that. But is Joe Willock the level of number 10 or the level of attacking midfielder that's going to get you in the Champions League? I would say no. You know, Bukayo Saka, sometimes he's brilliant, sometimes he's average. The other night, I thought he was poor. And I think that's not a criticism of... Bukayo Saka, it's just that he's a youngster and, and youngsters struggle to pro- provide the kind of consistency that, y- you know, you need at the very top level. You, if, if they were able to perform consistently at the top level, then they'll be established regulars. You know, yes, Saka is, but Willock isn't. People bang on about Reese Nelson. You know, Reese Nelson should be starting games. You know, I think that's premature as well. He's never done enough uh, in an Arsenal shirt for the first team to suggest that he's at that point. And so, you know, I I listen to what people say and they talk about the youngsters playing and they're more hungry. Yeah, maybe they're more hungry, but they're just not good enough, Mike. I I genuinely believe that. Like, I genuinely look at those players and I I could probably say this now. I don't think Joe Willock will be at Arsenal uh, beyond the end of next season. I don't think that Ainsley Metlin-Niles will be there. I don't think that uh, Reese Nelson will be there. Bukayo Saka, I could see staying. I could see Gabby Martinelli if he manages to get back uh, to some sort of fitness after that horrible injury. I can see him. Those two have potential for me, but the rest of them just ain't good enough. And, you know, like there's this thing, I feel like there's this thing in England, right, where everybody like falls in love with the homegrown or the idea of, or the romanticism of of playing homegrown young players that your club have nurtured. The reality is this is the most competitive league in the world. And to be at the top or there or thereabouts, you need top, top players. And it's very rare that you're going to find that from your academy. It's very rare, in fact, that you're going to find a group of them from your academy that you can go through. It hasn't really happened, has it, since Man United in no. you know 1992 or whatever it was. Like, you, It doesn't happen often. And I think we need to put that dream to the wayside at the moment and focus on getting in the players that we need. Yeah, but if the if if the if the experienced players aren't doing it, Harry, surely they deserve a chance. Like you're saying that, you know, these these players can't can't step up at that level. I mean, Joe Willicks had had two games and yeah, he's not been fantastic, but I thought actually against, against Wolves he, he did all right. And just 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 give him a chance. Willian has been shocking. Lacazette, I mean like it pains me to watch him play because not only is he not scoring goals, not only is he sniffing out opportunities, he also can't can't control and get down a ball any, anymore. And I'm like, what is he even offering to, to this team? And like, this is what this is what I'm saying. Just try something else. Just just try. I'm not saying that they're the answer. I'm not saying play the play the youngsters every game, and we we should not absolutely pin our hopes on them, but. And actually, in, in response to Saka, I think he's probably been one of our better players this season. Yeah, and that's I, I do. I do because but we gave him the chance to shine. I, I do think. I do think that that Saka has been good overall. But the point I'm making is that you can't. Re- a club like Arsenal should not be looking at Bukayo Saka as their only creative outlet, and that that's an indictment of where we are as a team at the moment. The fact yeah. that. Bukayo Saka is so highly thought of. Yeah, it's great. He's a young player. He's shown signs of promise. Yeah. But he should be free from that pressure so that he can then develop his own game and eventually become a top, top player. Right now, he's mm-hmm. a good player, but he's got all the responsibility that an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, in my opinion, just shouldn't have. Yeah. Let's see what some of the guys in the chat are saying uh, about this. Uh, Russ Morgan says uh, Arteta is playing the older players to cover for his inexperience as a manager. He isn't trusting the younger players. Jack Burgess says maybe Willock and Nelson aren't good enough, but they aren't any worse than Willian Harry. Does Willian really want to be here or is it just ridic- is it just for the ridiculous money and contract length we gave him? I totally get that. And I totally understand why people are upset with Willian and don't think he's been worth the money or good enough. I I completely have sympathy for that. 
But the point I would always go back to is Willian has previous of delivering at the highest level. Willian has a record of performing for a top team in the Premier League. Willock doesn't, Nelson doesn't. So if I was a manager and my job was reliant upon getting results, I would trust in Willian more than I would trust in Reese Nelson. I would trust in Willian more than I would trust in Joe Willock because there is previous evidence to go by. Maybe we haven't seen it at Arsenal since the opening day of the season, but we've never seen it from Willock. We've never seen Willock at the play in the Premier League and and shine. You know, we've seen the odd moment from him in the Europa League, in the Cups. And the same can be said for Nelson. When has Nelson come on and changed the game in the Premier League? He hasn't done it. They ha- These players simply haven't done it. And football is such a short-term game nowadays. Managers don't get very long to get things right before the pressure starts mounting, before the heat builds up. And that's why so many of them are reluctant to trust the young players. They don't have the time at this level to hope and wait that one of these guys would develop into the player that they need them to be. They need ready-made solutions. And and those guys, they're not ready-made solutions. Uh, Gid A says, Harry's spot on with the youngsters. I don't rate none of them apart from Saliba, Gab and Saka. Um, let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Harry, what do you think Arteta is saying? Saliba needs to go out and get experience when he has none himself as a manager. Slightly hypocritical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit harsh. I mean, Mikel might not have a great deal of experience as a manager, but Mikel had a whole career. William Saliba's at the start of his career. Mikel worked alongside, arguably in, in many people's eyes, the best manager in the world. So he's got a great deal more experience than William Saliba. So I don't think it's hypocritical uh, for him to be saying that about Saliba. Yes, there were a lot of people upset and disappointed at the fact that that Saliba isn't involved in the setup. And that leads me nicely onto a- another question. This one hasn't got a name by it, um, but it's, uh, it's it's about William Saliba. And I'll put this one to you, Mike. Have Arsenal shown themselves to be irresponsible with transfer funds, having paid £27 million for William Saliba and now saying that he's not good enough and not quite ready? I mean... You have to take it into the context at, at the time that we bought him. At, at the time we bought him, which was last summer, a year ago, he was considered a, a good prospect. And obviously, the year that he's had, Arteta spoken about the transition year that he had, didn't go to plan for whatever reason. He had a lot of injuries. I mean, yeah, obviously, in, in retrospect, you know, wasn't the best sign-in, but... And £27 million is a lot. But I guess what they were looking at was the sort of players that, that they want to bring in. They want to invest in in younger talent. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It worked out very well with Gabriel. Hasn't worked out so far with Saliba. But that, that's not to say that he's not going to go on to become a player. He's had personal issues as well. So the, like that's just completely un, un, unaccountable for. You can't account for that. Um, am I disappointed massively because, you know, we, we we put a lot of money into him. We put a lot of faith in him. We were watching his progress last season at, at Saint-Étienne and it hasn't happened. I think he needs a, a, a loan move. Um, but I think we can criticise other areas of our of our transfer policy more because signings like, like someone brought up in the chat earlier, Cedric, and signings like, like Pablo Mari and Socrates and David Luiz and Willian are the signings that we shouldn't be making because ultimately we are paying a lot of money to players who are at the end of their career. Yes, Willian has had previous of being good, but not previous of being elite. Like when I'm talking about these, these free agents that would be worth taking a punt on, I'm thinking Thiago Silva because he's immense. You know, he's been at, at, at the top of his game for a long time. Edinson Cavani, um, who as well has been a good signer for Man United. Those are the only occasions when I can say, yeah, like it's worth investing in a player, um, giving them high wages because they'll make an immediate impact. It won't be for long, but we just we're just not there. And th- those are the signings I think we need to address rather than you know having a go or you know ju- judging us taking a, a gamble on, on a young player because that's what I want to see us do because that's that's the that's the potential side of it. Yeah, it didn't work out, but another one will do. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Uh, guys, don't forget, if you're watching us live right now, uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Head over to 90 Min and check those guys out as well. Check out their channel, our brand new partners here at the Chronicles of Aguna. Big hello to Chris Georgiou. Says, great show, Harry. Arteta is a dead man walking. No party until the new year. Have you seen all of our December fixtures? Jacka and Danny are not the solution in midfield. Hale M boy is not the solution either. Agree with all of that. And it is worrying because it, it does look like the injury sustained by Thomas Partey is going to keep him out for a while. Um, you know, it, it is a massive concern. And, you know, it's it's so frustrating and it's so Arsenal, isn't it? Because Thomas Partey had only missed three games or something um, yeah. for Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, prior to, to joining Arsenal. And all of a sudden he's picked up this injury that, you know, we don't know. Um, we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for at this moment in time, but it feels like the club are keeping something from us. It feels like it's going to be longer than initially thought. And, you know, to, to be quite honest, the, the kind of reports I was getting and the kind of info I was getting was that the the idea was that he was going to return um, f- after the, the he picked up the injury against Villa. And the idea was that after the international break, he was going to return. He didn't yeah. go away with Ghana, but that doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. And it's a big issue. Um, let's pick up a few more of your questions and comments before uh, we round up tonight's stream. Again, don't forget, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. While I dig this out, Mike, how can people follow you on Twitter and keep up to date with uh, your work? Yeah, so I'm at Mike underscore Stavrou on Twitter. Um, I post links to my articles that I do for, for Metro from time to time interviews, stuff like that. So give me a follow. And um, you won't see as, as many ramblings from me, actually, as usual, because I've... Um, he's a I've, calm I've, down in his old age. He's grown, some, yeah, I have, he's grown a beard yeah. and he's got some wisdom. And he, he's Yeah, I don't know about wisdom, but I just sort <laughs> of like... When we're suffering with with a massive defeat, instead of just absolutely going off on one, which I used to do, I sort of scale it back. I I, I chat to Harry. He, he he gives me that uh, that objective view, and I'm you sort of just have to be that way, otherwise you'll be spouting some nonsense like a lot of Arsenal fans do. Unfortunately, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Um, I'm just trying to pick out questions that aren't similar to ones we've already had. So we can try and pick out as many different ones as possible. Uh, let me go back over to the post that we put out earlier because I know uh, there's a few on there that I haven't addressed yet. Uh, this one comes from uh, Tom Boy 124 That's the screen name. Uh, it says, Harry, you said back in the summer that Hector Bellerin was worth more than £20 million. Now he looks like he's worth 20 quid. Would you like to correct yourself? No, absolutely not. I don't understand why Arsenal fans blame Hector Bellerin for all our problems. I really don't. They moan that he goes too far forward, which is clearly an instruction from the manager. They moan that he tucks in too much, that he plays as an inverted fullback. Again, clearly an instruction from the manager. If he wasn't doing what Mikel Arteta wanted him to do, he wouldn't be in the side. It's that simple. But people are, you know, people want to go off on one about Hector Bellerin because he likes fashion and because he dresses up funny and he has dodgy haircuts and, you know, he's he's a bit out there as a character. But at the end of the day, Hector Bellerin is not Arsenal's problem at the moment. You've also got to take into consideration our right side is much weaker than our left um, in terms of what's in front of him as well, normally. Um you know, Dilly Dilly in the chat says, great name, by the way, says Bellerin can't play in a back four. Whatever fullback you play in our back four gets exposed. Kieran Tierney was terrible the other night. He got torn to pieces yeah. by Adama Traore. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, Hector Bellerin isn't perfect, but a lot of the issues that come from Hector Bellerin sort of going forward or taking up these positions in field, that is exactly what he's being asked to do. It's that simple, you know, and the right back position, I think, Mike, is an interesting one. And I want to get your take on this because we brought Cedric in. Um, there was this big thing about Ainsley Maitland-Niles potentially leaving the club 
in the summer, there was interest from Wolverhampton Wanderers. He ended up staying put, staying at the Arsenal. Arsenal made a big thing, Mikel Arteta in particular, about the need and the desire to keep him. He stayed and now he doesn't get a look in. And it seems that when you look at the substitutes bench nowadays, Cedric is ahead of him. What has happened to Ainsley Maitland-Niles and should he be uh, in the setup, in your opinion? Why Why didn't Ainsley Maitland-Niles play in, in, against Wolves? Because... When he played last season, he absolutely marked Adama Traore out of the game and was, was fantastic. So it's a really good question. And I don't really understand because if you made this massive statement to not sell him to Wolves, you know, we could have got 25, you know, 20 million there for him. Why keep him to then not play him? And as you said, keep him third choice right back behind Cedric. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why keep him? If you don't want to troll him in in centre mid, which we've seen him play in any Europa League game, I don't understand it. I I, I honestly don't, and it, it goes back to, to the transfer recruitment policy that is that is just shambolic at the moment. And we think that it's it's moving forward with the new setup, um, but then Raul left, and now we've got this this new this new sort of relationship between Edu and and Arteta. Yeah, granted, it is a bit early to to call it, but. Things like this I don't understand because if we could have, you know, got a bit of money for for, for Maitland Niles, maybe sold an, another one of the Deadwood or two, maybe a Mustafi or Socrates, we could have gone out and got a got an hour, couldn't we? We we could have actually given Leon the money that they wanted, and maybe our, our season would start to look different. But on Maitland Niles, I really wanted to keep him because I think he's a very he's a very versatile player. But if he's not going to play, what the hell is the point? Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't make sense, does it? it? It doesn't make sense. And it's a strange one. And I can only think that Mikel probably thinks he's not pulling his weight in training or his attitude is not quite right. And and again, it comes back to the discussion we were having earlier on. Is Mikel Arteta at risk of alienating certain players uh, when, you know, we all know that managers demand certain sort of values and certain um, levels of input from their players. But We've also seen players in the past and we've seen great managers in the past who have just accepted that some of their players are, are a bit like that for the better of the team and, and to keep yeah. them getting results and to keep their sort of heads above water as well. So maybe Mikel Arteta, you know, we talked about Arsene Wenger's values for years and years and years. Maybe Mikel's, um, you know, I, I, I don't mean to sound disingenuous when I say this, I, and I don't, you know, it probably sounds silly to some people. Some people will probably think, what are you talking about? You know, how can his values be too strong? But sometimes being like that can alienate people. And if people ain't fully on board with you and then you're trying to chuck in all this extra, uh, you know, these non-negotiables and you're being nitpicky about certain situations that really don't have a lot yeah. to do with what goes on on the pitch every weekend. It can be a problem. It can be a problem. What do you um? How, I wanted to ask Harry. What did you? Because I heard some people saying on on Twitter the fact that Arteta didn't didn't back Pepe publicly is it is it was he's basically throwing him under the bus and might leave might lead other players to to question him and 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 you know how he how he how he backs these players. What do you think? For me, Nicolas Pepe acted like an absolute idiot that day against Leeds United. To get yourself sent off for something like that nowadays, this day and age, when you know that there is, you know, there is cameras absolutely everywhere, for me, was idiotic. It was stupid. It was pathetic. It was immature. And I don't blame Mikel Arteta for being furious with Nicolas Pepe at the final whistle. I don't blame Mikel Arteta for saying that Nicolas Pepe let the team down because ultimately that's what he did. That was in the public domain. Mikel Arteta couldn't avoid that. He couldn't get around that. He couldn't avoid questions on that incident. And had he had said nothing and tried to defend this player, he'd have looked silly because the, the evidence was there for all to see. So I didn't really take an issue with him with him digging out Nicolas Pepe. I thought actually Pepe deserved it. And maybe, you know, it will be the kick up the backside that Nicolas Pepe needs. Where I have got sympathy for Nicolas Pepe is, is the fact that even when he does seem to produce and 
although he can be frustrating during a 90 minute period, he does contribute goals. He does contribute assists. He does make things happen. Where I have sympathy for him is that I feel like sometimes he's done that. He's contributed and then he's found himself on the bench the next week. Yeah. And, and he's not been given a, a run of games. And then Willian's come in. And, you know, if you remember, we were talking during the summer. And one of the things I said about the Willian signing was he's not someone I expect every, to play every week. He's someone that I feel provides some experienced cover in a position where all our cover is fairly inexperienced. That's what I used to say. And and now he's come in and he's taken up this starting position. And Nicolas Pepe must be looking at that and thinking, why? You know, he's not he's not doing the business yeah. with him. Yeah. yeah, he's being selected in ahead of him. So I do have sympathy for Pepe there. But I, when you're talking about that isolated incident where Arteta called him out or picked on him after the Leeds game, no issue for me on that. He absolutely deserved it. Absolutely deserved it. Um, just finally, Mike, sort of, uh, mm. we're going to wrap it up. Just a quick reminder to everyone, uh, as Hendon Guna says, hit the like button, folks, especially those of you watching. Yeah. It is so, so important. Subscribe to the channel uh, if you're new as well. Um, it is very, very important. And um, for those of you who don't know, we're now in partnership with 90 Min and we've got lots more content come in your way and and particularly in the next month or so uh, things are changing things are moving um, and the podcast is going to get bigger and better so we want to uh, make sure you guys are all on board for the ride so hit the like button if you haven't already uh, just finally mike big game coming up at the weekend um oh. what are your kind of initial oh. thoughts going into it? we're going to preview the game in a lot more detail later on in the week but how are you feeling going into this one because the North London derby always leaves me as a bag of nerves anyway. But this time it feels like it's not a nervousness, it's a fear. And and I hate oh. saying that about time. I mean, it's just a dire state of affairs, isn't it? When, if we're completely honest with ourselves, Tottenham are leagues above us. I mean, even saying that makes me feel sick because, I mean... <laughs> you and me both. Got, when they got to the Champions League last season, the Champions League final last season, Harry... I'm not even going to lie to you. I, w I watched the game in bed from my bed because I was just so shook that if they actually did win it, I was literally going to shut myself away from the entire world for days, shut my connection off to the internet and just hide away because that just would have been the most sickening thing ever for them, for, for that scum to, to, win, to win the Champions League before us. So the fact that they are like really improved this season the fact that Jose came in just before um, Arteta and some people were saying that we should have got him and now he's doing really well at Spurs is very disheartening. Not that I would have wanted him, mind you, but just to see him doing well there because he's not particularly a man that I like anyway. So to, to see him doing well there is just the, the double whammy. But um, in, in terms of the actual game, there's a part of me that sort of feels like it might be a good time to play them in the sense that we desperately need a performance. We desperately need a result. And as I said before, there's no mate, there's no motivating the players for a North London derby. It is the North London derby. You want it. You want to batter them. Like no matter what form you're in, as, as the cliche says, form goes out the window in games like this. So I'm just hoping we can pull out a performance that we're proud of. Um, if we get smashed, it's just going to be depressing. And, you know, there's people going on about Arteta out. How long has he got? I don't want to imagine what it's going to be like if we if we don't win that game or we don't put in a good performance in that game. So I think my prediction comes more from hope than than, than any logic because going off by what we've seen in the last few games, we are dire. Um, but if we can sort of set up in that in that low block and and, you know, get Spurs to attack us, there's a chance. No, that, that's what I say. That that's the most positive I'm going. There's a chance. Yeah, for me, it's um, going into this game. It, it's a weird one because I almost feel more confident going into these types of games under Mikel Arteta if he applies that pragmatic approach that we've seen him apply um, in those type of games. So if he goes back to the back three with a midfield pivot in front, and, and you know, and he plays the way we've played deep lying block and all of that, I'd actually feel pretty confident that we can get a result. Do I think we've got enough to win it? 
Um, probably not. But if we were to, to take a point, I'd be absolutely delighted with that. And I think that a good performance and a good result, and, and a, a good result would be a draw at Spurs. I mean, let's, you know, yeah. I know traditionally they've been a team that we've beaten and it should, it feels wrong that it's even come to this. But I think you have to put it into context now. Arsenal are dreadfully out of form. Tottenham are top of the Premier League. Jose Mourinho seems to have, uh, have really turned them around as much as it pains me to say it. But, you know, a, a draw would be a really positive result for Arsenal and I think it would go a long way in restoring some of the faith in Mikel Arteta. I've always felt like with him... We were always stronger in the bigger games. I know we lost at City, but we lost by the odd goal when in years gone by, we conceded fours and fives. Um, yeah. We lost at Liverpool, but we had the chances to get something out of that game as well. So that one was 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 unlucky. Obviously, the FA Cup campaign last year saw us turn over some of these sides. So I feel like, I feel like we're probably better equipped for these kind of games than we are for the games against the so-called smaller sides. And I think the fact that we've struggled to break people down when they've come to the Emirates, for example, the way Leicester did, has kind of forced Mikel to abandon those original principles to try and be a little bit more expansive. And then the defensive frailties have come to light again as a result. So I think it's about finding the balance. I think this is a game that forces you to be a bit more pragmatic at the fact that the repercussions of a defeat would be massive. So to 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 put it into context, I think this kind of game forces you to play in a certain way. And I think that'll probably suit Mikel Arteta and it'll probably suit our group of players and fingers crossed we get the result. Right. Uh, we're going to leave it there, guys. We were planning to do a half an hour pod. We've done a, a 51 minute pod. So there you go. A little bit extra for you guys. Thank you for all your interaction in the chat. Thank you for all your comments, all your questions. Um, and to those of you listening to this back via the audio platforms, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until then, uh, take care of yourselves. And uh, my thanks to Mike. And uh, stay safe. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.